Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Oh, look at my front butt. Southern wrestling. 
WWE really Knoxville was like the big Knoxville and Memphis were the biggest wrestling areas in this well in this area there was a Knoxville and Memphis with Gary the King Lawler. Hold on for a second, people. This is what you get when you're uh, dealing with a host who's dancing by himself. Trying to pick the phone here, people. Sorry. Guess what? Tracy. Yeah. Hey. You're on there. Say hello to everyone. I hit one. Hi. How you doing out there in podcast land, everybody? What's up? But yeah, when I was a kid and around 15, Tracy. That was the Knoxville area, Bullet Bob and them. That was the big local federations. Up there you had, uh, well, I don't, no, it was gone by the time you was old enough to even realize uh, the Pittsburgh Federation with uh, Bruno and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I do recall him on, like, Sunday morning TV, afternoons, rather. Yeah, uh... It was Saturday afternoon. We got uh, American Bandstand and then Continental Wrestling and then the Saturday afternoon movie, which is, you never know what you got. You got everything from war movies to horror films. I miss those days. Me too, man. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. We all had those. I mean, not the host shows, the ones that would just come up with action theater, romance theater, western theater. Yeah, there, there was, there was less, but there was just like so much more. I, it was, some of it was like maybe not the best quality, but it was all you had. So you had to, you know, you had to groove with it. Yeah, and we got all sorts of different stuff. That's why we were. I don't understand the kids today. We talked about. I've talked about before on the show. They got Netflix of all these choices, but they don't watch it. Well, maybe they need guidance. You know, maybe they just need. We do that with my nephew and other younger people. I know sometimes they might just need guidance. To, but they don't all have that. They need something to, like, point them toward quality stuff, I guess. Pretty yeah, much. well, we didn't have any choice. It was like, okay, <laughs> here you go. Watch this or nothing. Exactly. Exactly. 
And since it was back in the drive-in days, we would watch them during the day because we were saving all our energy for Saturday nights. True, true, yeah. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. Yeah. yeah was, but what you doing today? Ain't doing nothing. Wow, yeah. we're going to go out tonight. Right, right. Around here, it was Friday was uh, date night, and Saturday mm-hmm. was just going out with the friends night. Hmm. True. Friday here off for years. Friday was. Yeah. Well, Saturday is when you get your friends together and then possibly meet up with the person that you're dating at the drive then later. Yeah, those were the good old days. Uh, can you pull up YouTube? free ball and you're looking around for something, that's the only bad thing about having a big DVD collection is when you try to find something and you can't freaking find it because you don't know where the hell you put it the last time. That means it's either somewhere else or you're an idiot. They haven't figured out which one yet. Are you there? Well, I think we've lost our guest. Oh, well. That's what you get when you're free-balling. I'm looking through my collection to find something good but obscure to talk about. Chadwick Bozeman died this week, and that's just damn... That's how you can tell a real tough mother-father. Someone that was sick for three years did all those movies and didn't say a word about it. Okay, here we go. (laughs) We see if they're gone. If they're gone, they're gone. And I'll do this. Okay, they're gone, so I'm just going to watch a bunch of trailers for y'all. But still, three years and dying of cancer, didn't tell no one, and no one pretty much expected. That is guaranteed 
that you are one tough son of a gun. What I've got here... Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to punch you in the mouth. I punched my secretary here, princess in the mouth. She's here, as usual. Give everyone a kiss, uh, Mr. Mim, Madam Secretary. There you go. You got your kisses, everybody. Cinema Wasteland put out about four or five of them, and this is uh, their trailers, and this is just a bunch of uh, mix mash of them, and I'll be talking about them, and I'll just be able to talk about the movies there. So here we go. You can tell the biggest double horror feature ever. The first movie to be rated X by violence in the United States. I drink your blood. The first men's well, one of the first Manson exploitation slash zombie exploitation movies ever. This is about a little boy whose daughter gets kidnapped by a Mansoness, gets kidnapped and raped by a Mansoness family. So he injects their fruit pies with rabies and it gets, everything gets shit. This is a Night of the Living Dead exploitation. Uh, Manson exploitation. A virus movie. This movie has basically everything. And it's gory as hell if you can find it uncut. Which, if you get the Grindhouse releasing Blu-ray, yeah, you'll get it uncut. Very good movie. Very nasty, too. If you ever see the trailer, if you look it up on there, which is why I'm watching, you'll see some of the nastier bits already. A pregnant woman stabbing herself in the stomach. A guy getting his feet sliced open with a knife. It's just a... It's good. It lives up to its reputation. But its cold feature, I eat your skin, doesn't live up to the reputation. Well, yeah, its reputation is that it's a very boring piece of shit from the 1960s that... He got and put on there so he could have a double bill. But this movie goes down in exploitation history. It's one of the most brutal and violent films of the early 70s. With Lynn Lowry in her first role, Bashkar as the Charles Manson wannabe, and he's freaking awesome in this. Him tormenting the little boy is just just beautiful. 
Hey, midget, get over here. I love those lines. But I drink your blood. And if you notice, when you watch the trailer on YouTube or on this, on any collection that's on, there is no thing. And now we have one of the greatest drive-in films, pretty much the second, third greatest drive-in film of all time. Yeah, number one being uh, Thunder Road, number two, Last House on the Left. You have... Toby Hooper's Maiden Texas classic, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This is the first, Joe Bob says the best, this one, it was the first movie that actually made you believe that it was made by crazy people. And not just some Texan, some uh, students out of Texas who basically shot this weekend after weekend and it took them months to film it. This one is just an absolute classic. And what's funny is this movie was shot as a PG. You gotta make them stop. <laughs> oh, great performances all around from Jen Seidel, uh, Gunnar Hansen. Just everybody in this movie is great. And when this hit drive-ins, no one knew what the hell hit them. It hit them like a, well, like the scene where a guy gets hit in the head with there. And here's one of the best, if not the best, Ed exploitation movie there is. And that is The Range of Robert's Blossom. This is the closest you're going to get to the real case. It even has the little bit where he sees the girls that he kills as deers, which is the way he is. The uncut version is pretty hard to find because uh, MGM owns the R-rated version in the U.S. rights, but Tom Carr, the producer, owns the rights to the uncut version, and so far we haven't had a great U.S. DVD or Blu-ray release of the uncut version. But yeah, this is uh, Bob Clark's last drive-in, grindhouse, sleaze, uh, canoe-exploitation movie before he went into mainstream Hollywood. And yes, uh, Bob Clark directed a lot of this, but Alan Ormsby got the credit because Clark didn't want to put his name on this because he thought it was too violent. And another great one, this is William Girdler. This is the hardest one to find because of a uh, right issue, and that's three, three on a meat hook. You have this nasty, no-budget, 
uh, Memphis, Tennessee, Southern exploitation version of the Ed Gein story, and you have this guy doing narrations that's something out of a fucking Ingmar Bergman film. Three little girls. Hell, the narration's better than the movie, and I love William Girdler films. Drive the joy, a conspiracy, a fear. I you in the mind. It's like this guy knew a lot of big words. He's like, "Damn it, I'm going. I don't give a damn if this is some cheap exploitation film. I'm going to put every fancy freaking word that I know into it." This is fun if you like it, especially if you love William Girdler's work, and why the hell wouldn't you? I love this. Here we go. That's the execution. In some time, like now the hero's blood on hands. The broken dolls. Stopped. Three on a meat hook. Ah, <laughs> oh, the corpse grinders, the best killer cat movie out there, and that's saying a lot. This is about a couple of dudes that grind up human peoples into cat food, so the cats become uh, feral and start eating eating people. Corpse grinding machine. This is just just drive-in sleaze classic. I mean, it's just so good. It's so bad that it's good. It's very bad. Yeah. Kale. Chong look like uh, very friendly cats on the attack. Trailer. Every gore shot that's not in the movie is in the trailer. 
so far they have not found an uncut print. And this movie is full of horrible puns. Like the people that get killed are Miss Miss Slam. So the diner serves leg of lamb. And this is a neat little thing. The movie at first is in black and white until the girl gets stabbed the first time, and then it turns color with the gore. That depraved generation, that sick generation, that was used in a song off of Rob Zombie's Hillbilly's Deluxe. Apple flashing, unjoisting, hacking. Axe-hatting motorcycle maniac. And I love it because if you close your eyes during this trailer, it sounds a hell of a lot worse than any of the crap that you see on screen. You tell me. <laughs> I love it. So sleazy. So grimy and slow. Be quiet, you'll wait Neighbors. <laughs> this is a very punny movie. I didn't say funny, I said punny. There's like so many puns in this movie that there's more puns than they are gore. And that's if you find the uncut print. But like I said, you look at the trailer, you get every gore shot that's cut from the movie. Be deadly. This one's a fucked up little film. You go in there, and they sell it, and it's like, Exorcist, Exorcist, Exorcist. And then you go to watch it, and you get the... Well, you remember two movies ago, you had the Corpse Grinders? Now we have the corpse fuckers. Mary Wilcox, who loves to, who accidentally shoots her dad as a kid, so it makes her want to fuck corpses, especially corpses that look like her dad. So you go in expecting an exploitation ripoff, and you get a necrophilia movie. This is like. With Lyle Wagner, this doesn't play like a sleaze film. This plays like a daytime soap opera with corpse fucking. Fucked up stuff. I love it, but damn. Doomed to love. Only the dead. Lovers of the dead. I love it. They have that ritual. They all just lift their arms up and their robes just whoop. This one is one of the sleaziest ones. And here's a classic, drive-in classic. Children children play with dead things. With more corpse diddling. And some of the coolest looking zombies from the early 70s out there. 
and one of the best black comedies out there. And even the audio trailers have some great gags that's not even in the movie. This is uh, Bob Clark and Alan Ormsby's first film, and it's good. There's not a really terrific print of it out there because, well, when you shoot a movie for 10 cents and it's shipped out all over and it's very popular. You get to see, the acts are loose. The Thrill Killers from Ray Dennis Steckler. Ray Dennis Steckler was a was the exploitation guy to come out of Vegas, Las Vegas. That he is. This is another one where they show you there. And it's another one with the old gag of, oh, my God, the killers are really there. So they have people hiding. Cannonball Girls. Hold on for a second. They're young. They're beautiful. And very, very sexy. Oh, God, that freaking bell. Yes, when they had this movie in the U.S., they had this annoying, loud-ass bell that would play whenever there was anything erotic or gory. Or The boing! And this is the first movie of Eugene Levy and Andrea Martin. So you can tell this is pure true blue connect exploitation. Torso, one of the most po- one of the most popular of the Jalos over in the U.S. in the 70s because of that great singer and this great trailer. The screen. And this is one of the greatest fucking trailers ever. I could talk, but just listen to this great gags in it. Which is on here. This is the long version of the trailer with all the gags. If someone they just cut it down short. I love this guy's laugh.
I dismember Mama. My bad, that was a short version. It's me seeing uh, two gags. But moving on, we have the one, the great, the best filmmaker to come out of Staten Island ever, Andy Milligan. When that book, when his, when uh, the book about Milligan comes back into print, you need to get this because it's one of the best, if not the best. Book about a Z movie director out there. It is just so good. And you could tell by watching Andy Milligan's movies that he hated religion. He hated family. He was very anti family. But this is Andrew Milligan, Andy Milligan for you. You could just tell by watching his movies that this boy had some serious issues. If there's any of his that I would recommend to see, it would be uh, The Ghastly One, uh, Seeds, uh, definitely Vapors. Vapors is definitely a must-see. So is Nightbirds. He won. Ray Sagar, the Wizard of Gore. This movie was part of uh, the last the three of the Gore trill last three Gore films that Ace Lewis did, along with the Gruesome Twosome and the Gore Gore Girls. And this is Ray Sagar, who could not do magic for his own to save his life. So, at the end of the movie, they gave him the Ray Sagar Award for manual dexterity because of how clumsy he was. And here he is as Montag, the Magnificent, who kills girls on stage and somehow uses his magical powers to make people believe that they were not killed. And then 30 minutes later, it shows their de- they turn into the dead bodies again. Look, this is going to try. Look right here, and you can just see that the sword that rolls up, you can see that he did not have how to use it, and the sword is like, twing, twang, 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 twang. He's got some of his best gore effects, too. When Ray doesn't screw him up, God bless him. Like right here, you see the guts fall off, and then all of a sudden you can tell that that hole punch didn't go one inch into her stomach. Same with this spike in her head. This now this trick right here with the with the with the ba 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 guillotine he pulls off great. 
my neck out. But then the idiot director, as H.G. Lewis said, decided to show a close-up of the head rolling across the stage where you could actually tell that it was fake. And it took about 20 takes to get the head to stand up straight there. I don't know. There you go. Nowadays, you young kids probably look at this and go like, what this crap? It looks fainty, it looks phony, it looks fake. Yeah, we still love it, though. The fact is, is we didn't give a crap. JC, a.k.a. Who Are You, a.k.a. Beyond the Door, the most financially successful of the Exorcist ripoffs. And the devil is a fucking asshole in this. I talked about this before about the one with Nate, but the devil is a true asshole in this. Ah, Deep Red, a.k.a. Profondo Russo, a.k.a. Suspiria 2. This is just an amazing classic giallo, which was one of Dario Argento's biggest hits over in the U.S. He had three big hits in the U.S. in the 70s, and that was Suspiria, uh, Deep Red, and The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Those were big box office hits. For a lot, it's a tie between this and Suspiria as his best. But gore-wise, Suspiria is his best. Plot-wise, this one is the best. Ah, Brian De Palma's first really big hit, Sisters with Margot Kidder. And sisters. This is the one with William Finley. William Finley was uh, meekly were cutting the two twins apart in the surgery. This is a very Hitchcockian movie. This is a great film, if you like Hitchcockian. And here's another one with Emil Lanfork. In one of the first tour films about the seven deadly sins. You can get this on pretty much almost any DVD, PD set of the O.O.'s. And that's The Devil's Nightmare. And depending on what cut you got, there's the cut version and the uncut. And it's still great. Oh, House of Exorcism, the 
cut version of Lisa and the Devil. When Barrio Baba and Alfred Leone could not sell Lisa and the Devil, they had him recut it and shoot new scenes into making it into a pure exorcist ripoff called The House of Exorcism. And it wasn't that good unless you want to hear equal Elky Summer Curse. Lady Frankenstein. This is the one where the movie ends with uh, Frankenstein, the monster boinking Lady Frankenstein to death. And Joseph Cotton has Baron von Frankenstein. Insatiable love for the dead. Yes, this is the song. This is the movie whose trailer has the line from Rob Zombie's Living Dead Girl. And this one of the most fucked up of the monsters. This one is okay. It's good, not as good as it could have been. Cool ass monster though. Tales from the Crypt. 
Both of the ones they did from EC Comics, Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror, are good movies. And I opened the double, and I own the double feature of both of them. They're very good movies. With one of the best performances ever by Peter Cushing. And the best adaption of All Through the Night, which any time that they've done a Tales from the Crypt, they've done an adaption of that. And Ralph Richardson as the Crypt Keeper. And here is the sequel, Vault of Horror, which is good, just not as good as the first one, which means Tales from the Crypt is a 5 out of 5, and this is a 4 out of 5. It's still very good and very fun, with a great performance by Christopher Lee in the voodoo story, and Midnight Mass. One of the best vampire short films there is. Life worth leaving. What's funny is this movie has two of the stories that were redone for the television series. Night. Which one of these? Uh, the zombies. Oh, the ghost galleon. Which, if you watch it on DVD, it kind of sucks. But if you watch it in a drive-in, it was pretty goddamn good. Oh, it was already over, so... If you get a chance to watch Blind Dead films, watch them. Blood Eaters. The other zombie film to come out of Pittsburgh. This one even has John Amplis in it. Doesn't mean it's good. It just means this is the other zombie film out of Pittsburgh. What's in Frazier? <laughs> This is another famous double feature. Oh, uh, of the dead. Orgy of the Living Dead. Which has Mario Bava's Kill Baby Kill, which is fucking great. No. This is one of the just greatest way trailers because. How do you sell a movie without showing the movies or even talking about the movies? This is how. And the living dead. Curse the living dead. And saying the living dead. The second Dr. Orloff film from one Jesus Franco. Jess Franco. Which is the Diabolical Dr. Z, or the Amazing Spider-Woman. This is not that bad. This is one of the best of the Orloff films that uh, Franco did. 
It's about a woman with poison fingernails. Ooh, and these doctors uh, frame her father and cause her to kill, cause him to kill himself. Uh, they use this girl to get her fingernails poisoned and get revenge on the people who went after her. A very dark, dark, a very dark and good little film. If I was going to pick any of the early Francos, this would be one of my, oh my God. Africa, blood and guts. What do you get when you get a dictator? Uh, if you've seen Cannibal Holocaust, they show this thing where they paid people to kill these uh, people in Africa. This is the movie that it was taking from with real staged murders. Africa Adio, a.k.a. Africa Blood and Guts, a.k.a. Well, this would be the most racist film we did, but we got to do something better, so let's make Adio Zio Tom. I own this on a double feature with uh, Adio Zio Tom, the longer cuts of uh, Africa, Blood and Guts. It's Africa, Adio, and Adio Zio Tom. The longer cuts of Goodbye Uncle Tom and Africa, Blood and Guts. This is just nasty with more with a shitload of... Uh, Animal murders in it. I can't really talk. I can't really understate how nasty and racist this movie is. <laughs> what happened was, is even with the fake footage, is that. These filmmakers are making a movie, and I forget what the original... It was about hunters, poachers, and they ended up getting caught asshole deep in the middle of the African Congo Revolution with the Mau Mau's and all that. And so they ended up making the na- one of the nastiest, ugliest, most racist film there is. And Jerry Ghost decided to cut this film to make it even nastier and more racist. I love this. No scenes will be showed. Now bloody horror. And then it shows a shotgun blowing someone's head off. See here, night of sudden brutal horror, bloody horror. It's only a moon. See, look, boom! We can't show you any films there, but here's somebody. Night, evil night. The alternate title for Bob Clark's seminal slasher film, Black 
Christmas. I keep wondering why whenever people bring up modern slash, modern 80s slashers, they, they keep forgetting that this one, the 1975 film, really was the first of that style of slasher. And one of the first of the three Moo ones. There were three big ones. There was Black Christmas, Halloween, and Friday the 13th, which your parents were films. The kids going away to school. The kids going away to camp. The kids doing an adult job. Now, here's a good sleazy little British one with Tom Baker, uh, Donald Pleasance, a bizarre plant creature, real freaks. The House That Screamed. One of the most political slashers you're ever going to see. And very damn good. Both of uh, his movies were damn good. Which is The House That Screamed and Who Can Kill a Child. Very dark, very scary, very politicized. That uses the tropes of horror films to spread messages, their message. I would recommend both of them very, very, very much. Oh, one of the most dirtiest, grimiest, sleaziest. Films in the early 70s ever, which I'm still shocked this motherfucker uncut got a PG rating. And that is Blood and Lace. You got incest. You got murder. You got... Hell, you pretty much got every nasty little thing you could think of. It's like, okay, let's just put all this nasty shit in this movie and just say go for it. If this movie doesn't make you want to take a shower, then... You're not jaded enough. Get off the phone. Ah, uh, annual celebrations. The most fun movie that H.U. Lewis ever did. A drive-in redneck classic, and that's 2,000 Maniacs. Great bluegrass, great gore, great acting, and just fun. Came an awful sound. Yee-haw! Sound's gonna rise again. Yee-haw! It's gonna rise again. Now, don't you worry, that old teetering rock's going to get you. It's just so much fun for a gore film. Oh, the gun, and he made them Yankees run, and he down. 
he made H.G. Lewis really loved his redneck movies, and this is one of, of his best. Yeah. There's Moonshine Mountain, This Stuff Will Kill You, Year of the Yahoo, uh, 2000 Maniacs, of course. Now, Moonshine Mountain, I just love. And screw you, Nate. H.G. Lewis was a good director. Damn it. Oh, the movie that changed everything in 1968. Pittsburgh's Night of the Living Dead. This movie changed everything. Fucked up everybody. I mean, you had ghouls. You had flesh eating. I mean, this was like nothing that people had ever seen at the time when it came out. And this is a movie not about the living dead, but about how they are fucked because they can't work together. That was always Romero's biggest thing. As long as you work together, you have a chance. Oh, Larry Cohen's best. Religion, sci-fi, God told me to. This is a cross between... Uh, Son of Sam, uh, a little bit of Chariots of the Gods. This one is amazingly better than you would think it is from watching this, or even just watching, uh, reading a synopsis of it. This movie is a pretty damn good little movie, and this is an early proto-modern slasher because they kept it as a monster movie until the last little bit. (coughs) You can hear like the final wheel flip, flip, flip flopping in the freaking uh, film projector before you even realize this is not a monster movie. Hell, we just gave they just gave away the ending, but still, Tower Island of Horror, Tower of Death, or Horror on Snake Bound, Wildcat Women in 3D, 3D Kung Fu Boobies. How does that sound to you? 3D Kung Fu Boobies. And then the love making. I want you or. It's even got generic porn music. Come see me. (laughs) This is the one I've never had the luck to run into a copy, and I wish I could because it just looks so sleazy and dirty. And feeling terrible. Ah! Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS. 
This is the movie that created the short-lived run of Nazi exploitation. These were a big hit. And the jaded audiences of the grindhouses who love their S&M movies. And this is all this is, is a softcore S&M porn disguised as a horror film. This is a nasty piece of work. I like it, though, but it's nasty as hell. Filmed on the sets of Hogan's Hero right before they destroyed him with Ushi Diggart, Dwayne Thorne. Ilsa. Yeah, make her come and she'll cut your willy off. Oh, gosh. Of all the butchers in the third right, none was as ruthless as Ilsa. She wrote of the SS. Together with her black widow. And out and out, please, classic. Ilsa. This is one of the few subgenres that even most hardcore sleaze fans are like, oh, God, we, oh God, we, we don't want to take credit for this. Love Camp 7 was the one that started this. Love Camp 7, Ilsa. The best of the cannibal movies and the first, the one, the only, Man from Deep River. This one is just fucking great. There's no way around it. This one is just great. This is less of a cannibal film and more of a man called horse exploitation movie. And it's good. And I love it how it starts. Is they think he's a fish and he thinks they're dumb savages. But by the end of the movie, he becomes one of them. And it humanizes him and the, the, the natives. Cockfighting. With Mimi Lay. 
Well, Umberto Lenzi's best. And if you get to see a good prettiness, this is a gorgeous freaking film. Umberto Lindsay knocks it out of the park both ways. He makes a very dark, very brutal, but very beautiful movie. This one, of all the cannibal films, this is the one I would recommend as a movie. Hey, I'm going to bank you now. I love this. If you watch this in the trailer in the movie, it's like they're torturing him. And it turns out this whole ritual is them making him part of the tribe. I just love the little switch like that. A must-see movie and one of those, if you can see yourself in an exploitation film, you have to see. The second best drive-in movie of all time, Last House, on the left, Wes Craven's nasty, brutal, mean-spirited, fuck-you, of a debut film. This is an ugly film because it talks about ugly things, and it even has an ugly, ugly ending because... The truth is ugly. Once something like this happens, you can't go back to normal. On the left. By fainting. Keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. That was one of the most used taglines of drive-in history. Only a movie. Only a movie. And this movie crossed over, too, because it plays as good in the grindhouses as it did in the drive-ins. Carnage, a.k.a. Bay of Blood, a.k.a. The New House on the Left. Those, the Last House on the Left and Bay of Blood were packaged together and reissued so many times in the 70s. I mean, it's like every eight months, it'd be like the new house on the left. But, yeah, those two are always packaged because Hallmark owned both films, and they played good together. This is one of the first splatter films where there's almost pretty much no plot, just an excuse to kill a whole lot of people barely violently. And 
definitely another one on the must-see list. Bay of Blood, a.k.a. I... And I love how in the Carnage trailer it shows like this rainbow of colors and stuff where it shows the violence without showing the violence. If you want to see what the violence really looks like, you got to come watch the movie. Very successful and it played throughout the 70s. One of the biggest hits of the 70s at the drive-in. I would put this at about number five after Walking Tall. Sorry, I'm just enjoying the music. I like Carnage. Directed by Mario Baba. The third and the least of all of H.G. Uh, Lewis's gore films. I drink your ah, color me blood red. Color me blood red. It violates my one rule, which is a movie can be anything. But boring. Once a movie is boring, then there's no way to save it. There's not that many kills in this movie, but they're pretty decent ones. But like I said, it takes so long to get to any action. I mean, the idea is great. A guy who discovers the right shade of red when he bashes his girlfriend's head in and her blood gets on the paint canvas. This is like another version of A Bucket of Blood. Except it doesn't have the black humor, and it's not that funny, and it's, like I said, it's a very boring, boring movie. Getting into a little bit into the Gore Trilogy, it was uh, Blood Feast, 2000 Maniacs, and Color Me Blood Red, and then he was sick of doing Gore films, so he quit and did all sorts of other stuff, which is like Sexploitation, Suburban Roulette, and a movie like that, uh, Moonshine Mountain, a uh, kitty film with Gimme the World's Greatest. It was like a little bit of everything. And then he went back to Gore. He went back to horror with a taste of blood first, though.
one of the films shown at this year's Monsterama and narrated by Brother Theodore. Mad Doctor of Blood Island. Green. Green blood. This one they would give you green blood when you watch the movie. I don't know. It was Kool-Aid. But they would have like a ritual and you would do it. Just another gimmick to sell a film. We didn't warn you. Anytime you've seen him, seen Brother Theodore narrow the trailer, you didn't know if the movie would be any good, but the trailer is just badass. This is the first of the two Dr. Lorca films. And along with, oh, baby, night, oh, God, silent night, boring night, I mean, bloody night. This movie would be a lot better if the trailer didn't give away the big twist. Uh... 20 min about that happens 20 minutes of the movie it becomes yeah Patrick O'Neill and Astrid Harris only last 20 minutes of the movie and then they pull off your basic psycho twist and boom there there's the real star of the film Mary Warnoff It's funny, she's the star of the movie and she's only in the trailer for maybe three seconds. And the ending makes no damn sense at all. I'd I'd real spoil the ending, but it makes no sense. I don't even know what the hell going on. One of the get one of the most homoerotic horror films ever. Night of Bloody Horror. They have Mickey Hargitay, the Crimson Executioner, running around talking about how women sap the potency from a man's body. Evil Marquis Key decide. Horror. The Crimson Executioner. All oiled up in a, in a wrestling mask. Talking about how women will tap your potency and how men need to stay away from women and only hang out with other men. I'm not saying it means anything, but. <laughs> the movie is not that good, but Mickey Hargitay himself just, just bad ass in it. Just listening to him talking his crap and killing women is just glorious. It's a horror. Plop. 
one of my favorite Mexican ex- exploitation movies ever, Night of the Bloody Apes. I need to do this sometime. Put that on your list, Steve. Okay. This is Half Monkey. This is about basically they put a monkey's heart in a guy's body to try to save it, transplant it. And it turns out it's the equivalent of putting a Porsche engine into your John Deere tractor. Lawn tractor, that is. And so you got a lawnmower that goes like 200 miles an hour, and that's supposedly what happens. Because his heart is so strong, he turns into a gorilla and starts killing people for no reason. It makes no sense. But by God, it's fun. And it uses real medical footage of a heart transplant. Yes. Real footage of a heart transplant in the body of a beast. This is a remake of another wrestle of a luchadora movie from the 60s. Doctor Horror. On the night of the bloody apes. Of the bloody apes. This is another one where they give up all of the goodies in the trailer. Almost every gore thing. And this is the movie where a guy scalps a bald man. Where you hold on to the shot for too long and it's like, Oh my God, he ripped his scalp. Wait, wait, this motherfucker... This motherfucker's bald. Ain't that a bitch? But then you start laughing. There it is. He just ripped off the bald guy's toupee. They shred. Oh, you to pieces. Orgy of terror.
great fucking trailer, though. They knew they, I mean, you just watch this trailer and they knew they had something special here. It's just sad that they did their job too well and pretty much no one would touch it. And honestly, I can't blame them. Even those of us who love would be like, yeah, I don't blame them for not wanting to show this shit. Yes, even in the wild days of 80s exploitation and set with the grindhouse and all that, no one would touch this movie. I should say something right there. That no one would touch it during the days when they would show shit like Fight for Your Life and uh, I Spit on Your Grave and just other nasty-ass films. Cannibal Ferox, too. They show that. But not Cannibal Holocaust. Now, this one I just find too sleazy and disgusting. Hell, even the guy who, even one of the stars of this movie, uh, Giovanni Lombardo Redis, if you get the DVD of uh, Cannibal Fair Rocks by Grindhouse, which has the uncut commentary, because on the Laserdisc and DVD, he opens it up with this. This movie is a piece of shit. It's worth it just to hear Radish talk shit about this movie. 
fortune in the last emerald. mean and ugly and unlikable. And this is calling my someone who loves cannibal holocaust. This is the one with the boobies to the hooks, and it just looks painful. Joint. There goes your dinky. I've seen this over 80 to 90 times. 
that was just one weekend. What are you thinking? How do you feel? You bastard! anymore <laughs> what got this to me is it's a mix of horror and humor no one showed any appreciation Get a job in a sideshow. One of the last films to be released wide. Unrated. Showing every fucking trailer for Animator here. Another fucking trailer for a re-fucking animator.
this is a movie about enabling. How someone would enable someone to be a be a junkie or just you feel sorry for her by the time the movie's over. beautiful film too I mean Jean Rolin was a man of his own thing he made the most beautiful artistic horror films ever made if anyone was ever truly able to combine horror with art it was Jean Rolin recommend you see it. Okay, I'm calling it a night here. Thank you guys for listening. And this Wednesday is going to be me and Nate doing uh, Good Directors, Bad Films Part 2. And on Saturday, we have uh, Marcus Koch here with me, Gorefilf, and Frederick Gory, as we talk about his movies. So we got a lot planned, and we don't, I don't know what I got planned for Labor Day Day, but, I mean Memorial Day Sunday. But all I know is this, we love you guys. Thank you for all for listening. Good night, goodbye. And don't forget, always smile.
we go. Good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 